The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Let me give you a list of items that this Alpha absolutely enjoys when it comes to Alpha male pleasure pursuits. Certainly loves cigars, loves spirits, and tasting various craft brews and beautiful wines. Love delicacies. We love anything to do with the grill or smoking fine, dead quality animal products. Definitely love to travel, like to play golf, but the thing that I love to do most besides all of those aforementioned items, that is the love of flying. As an aviator, as a licensed pilot, instrument rated pilot, nothing gets me more excited than being on the flight line. The smell of jet fuel in the morning, the sound of piston airplanes and turboprops and jet engines starting and winding up and being at aircraft-related events, that's exactly where we are today. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha, make America great again. We have moved Command Center Alpha to Flightline 1A at Peter Onight Airport, downtown Tampa, just south of downtown. I can see downtown directly to where I'm sitting, just about my 11 o'clock position. And we have left our normal Humidor 1A Command Center Alpha Theater of Operations to attend the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In that is being held this year in Tampa at Peter Onight Airport, KTPF. Kilo Tango Papa Foxtrot. Some interesting history about Peter Onight Airport. It is located on Davis Islands, which is just south of downtown Tampa. Residential islands, and at the very southern tip, there is Peter Onight Airport. It is actually about, uh, as the crow flies, we're maybe two and a half nautical miles from downtown Tampa. It was built originally as a works Progress Administration project. Uh, the WPA was Tampa's main airport from 1935 until 1945, primarily now a general aviation airport that is uh, used quite frequently because of its proximity to downtown Tampa. The airport was named for a prominent attorney and businessman, Peter O'Knight, uh, the namesake of Holland and Knight Law Firm. Uh, let me ask you, is there any attorney? Do you really have to? Okay, businessman, yes, but do you have to name it after an attorney? Oh, that just, it, it's lost some luster in my eyes now. But what is very interesting is that this airport sits on about 110 acres, and the number of aircraft land takeoffs and landings operations per day 
60, about 180 per day, 66,000 per year. So there's single engines, there's some multi-engines, there's actually helicopters, there is uh, jets occasionally come in and out of here. The Hillsborough County Aviation Authority has spent a considerable amount of money to maintain Peter Oneid Airport, and it is the perfect venue for the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association flying. Anybody can come. Now, this is being held October 27th and 28th. Now, the reason that we're doing it today and we're airing it actually into the first week of November is because we want to be able to properly, we wanted to properly celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. We always wrap up the end of Cigar Oktoberfest with a giant beer tasting. That's exactly what we did. So we figured we would come out to the uh, AOPA fly-in and uh, record our show, and we're going to be joined in just a little bit by the president and CEO, Mark Baker. And if you love aviation... If you love flying, even if you uh, have never flown an airplane, but you're just an enthusiast, everybody uh, was welcome to this fly-in. And I know I'm using the past tense because even though we're recording this on Friday, October 27th, it is over. But I'm sure many people, it starts later this afternoon, we're recording it on our normal noon to 2 Eastern time, but there will be thousands and thousands of pilots and aviation enthusiasts that fly in. Let me give you one interesting story about Tampa uh, Peter O'Night Airport. On, this is very close in proximity to MacDill Air Force Base. Now, MacDill Air Force Base, I want to say that their main runway uh, is around 11,000, 12,000 feet. It is a long runway. There is no mistaking Peter O'Knight, which has two runways. The primary runway, I want to say, is about 3,500 feet, 3,800 feet, maybe less with MacDill Air Force Base, which has a humongous, humongous runway, but they are very close in proximity, maybe about four nautical miles, five nautical miles at the most, very, very close. So you got to be sure when you're flying in that if you're a general aviation pilot, you don't want to land at MacDill Air Force Base because if you do, you're going to be surrounded by military police. You're going to be interrogated. You're going to be questioned. It will not be a pretty sight. Conversely, if you are flying a military transport, you're flying VIPs in a Gulfstream, or you're flying a C-130 or a Boeing C-17 Globemaster, you do not want to land on the main runway at Peter O'Knight. Even though it can handle large air, well, to a degree, large aircraft, not a good idea. It is very, very tight. Gulfstream, no problem, but a big plane, not a great idea. Well, on July 20th, 2012, a Boeing C-17 Globemaster. These are behemoth planes. A Globemaster of the U.S. Air Force's 305th Air Mobility Wing from McGuire Air Force Base, New Jersey, mistakenly landed here at Peter O'Knight Airport following an extended duration flight from Europe. Uh, they were going to go to uh, Southwest Asia to embark military passengers and then return to the United States. Well, they were going to stop over at MacDill Air Force Base, get some fuel, probably take a little bit of a rest. Well, as our good buddy Lee Corsa would say, not so fast, my friend. They did not land at MacDill Air Force Base. They landed at Peter O. Knight Airport. And imagine the surprise of people that were at the fixed-based operator, which is the private terminal, general aviation pilots, bystanders, residents. I mean, their houses right on the west side of the runway looking and seeing to their shock and awe this gigantic C-17 Globemaster landing. 
How this thing landed and didn't go into the drink into Hillsborough Bay is beyond me. Now, we're going to post YouTube video of the Boeing C-17 Globemaster, the Air Force gigantic jet landing. And then a few days later, after they dis- they took all the cargo off, after they lightened the load to the very, very bare minimum, unloaded fuel, when you see this Boeing C-17 Globemaster take off, I said to myself, there's no way this thing is going to make it. There is just absolutely no way. How on earth is this going to make it? Well, sure enough, it did make it. And it took every last inch of runway. And we've got the YouTube video that we are posting so that you can take a look and see exactly what it looked like. But not a great idea to land a C-17 Globemaster on this, uh, at this regional airport, which, again, is probably about maybe five miles as the crow flies. And we're actually going to put an aerial shot uh, that we'll post at CigarDave.com and social media so you can see how close that they are. But this is a 35, the main runway is 3,500 feet. So it is tight for a jet to fly in and out of here. General aviation, no problem. But when you're talking about a Boeing C-17 Globemaster, that is ultra tight, even though they're designed to get up and out into very tight spaces. But we'll post that. So that's one of the claims to fame of Peter Oneid Airport. But we are the weather today is magnificent. At broadcast time, it is 73 degrees, a light breeze, blue skies. There is not a cloud in the sky. This is called, uh, for aviators, CAVU weather. Ceiling and visibility unrestricted. This is what pilots live for. Well, as an instrument-rated pilot, I actually like flying through some clouds and through some instrument meteorological conditions because it feels like you're really flying. But this is a beautiful day to fly. Picture perfect. The visibility is fabulous. We're expecting about uh, 300 airplanes to fly in from across the southeast. There is, I, I ran into a pilot who flew his Cessna 172 from Alaska all the way in to attend this uh, fly-in, which is a long-ass trip, no doubt about it. But they've got seminars. There's displays. Uh, there is some very cool airplanes. There's the new Icon A5. It's an amphibious airplane as well as can land on a conventional runway. Their training center is here at Peter Oneid Airport. So we're. Ex- this is just a great place to be. And as an aviation enthusiast, I love being on the flight line. I just love being close to where the action is. And it reminds me of when I was a little kid when my father would take me. I think I probably remember maybe I was three years old when he started uh, taking me for a ride in his convertible. And we'd go to the uh, Greater Buffalo International Airport. It was known at the time. And we would sit on the approach end of runway 23 to the southwest. And there was a great uh, area that you could park and overlook the airplane's landing. And I'll never forget, he used to hoist me on his shoulders and I would watch the planes take off and land. Now, I have been a licensed pilot since I was in college. So, uh, geez, probably now at least 30 years, 30 years plus. I know the physics. I know the aerodynamics of why airplanes take off and land. But when I am waiting to take off in my plane or in a commercial plane, I still sit and watch in amazement as planes take off and land. Because once you've experienced, I think, the thrill of flight, You can never look back. And there is a great quote by Leonardo da Vinci that I will start our number two with talking about flight. But ever since I was three years old, I was always captivated by flight, how airplanes fly, 
I know why they fly, and I'm still to this day amazed. I will sit there and just watch airplanes take off and land and never get bored. I love listening to the pilots, listening to the air traffic controllers. And again, I'm a licensed instrument-rated pilot. I know the system. I know why airplanes fly, and I never get bored. Still makes you feel like a kid. And there are going to be hundreds and thousands of kids and families that will take place or take part and attend the AOPA aircraft owners and pilots fly in today and tomorrow. Again, today and tomorrow being October 27th and 28th as we are recording this show tear the first week of November, but they will attend. They will just be fascinated by the sounds and the sights of airplanes taking off and landing. And what's cool about this type of flying event is you can get very close to the action. Kids can actually get into airplanes. They can touch the airplane. They can sit in the general aviation plane. They can get a feel. They can touch the yoke and touch the controls. And that is very, very special. You go to some other air shows, they have signs all over. You can look, but you can't touch. At these type of flying events, you can touch. So if you're interested more, and we're going to have Mark Baker on at the bottom of the hour. The president and CEO will talk about how you can, even if you're not a pilot, but even if you love aviation, you should join the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Their magazines are great. Their website is fantastic, and they just are a wealth of information. And if you love drones... They also now have a new drone division. So for those of you that want to fly, because you're a drone pilot, you're really in the same family as being an aviator. And we're actually going to have some guests from one of the largest distributors of drones in the country in the next hour. We'll talk about drones and how to get into it and the regulations and what you need to know. So we'll be talking aviation. We'll be talking cigars. We'll be talking alpha male pleasure I was going to say pleasure police. We unfortunately do have to talk about them. But alpha male pleasure maneuvers come your way right from Flight Line 1A, the site of the 2017 AOPA Regional Fly-In, Peter O'Night Airport, downtown Tampa, Florida. We will continue front and center. The November selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is the Balmoral Añejo XO. This medium-bodied cigar is boldly peppered and pleasantly spiced with cinnamon and coffee flavors. The Balmoral Añejo XO is hand-rolled in the Dominican Republic with a blend of Brazilian, Dominican, and Nicaraguan fillers with a Brazilian wrapper. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. a day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit DiamondCrown.com. 
The Cigar Dave Officers Club features fantastic cigars shipped directly to you every month. I'm pleased to announce the November 2017 Officers Club selection. It is the Balmoral Añejo XO. XO standing for extra old as all the tobaccos in this cigar are extra aged. The Balmoral Añejo XO features a wrapper from Brazil, a Brazilian sun-grown arapiraca. Filler three-country blend, Brazil, the Dominican Republic, and Nicaragua. The Balmoral Añejo XO delivers subtle notes of sweetness, underlying hints of spice, and just a touch of cocoa and chocolate. The Balmoral Añejo XO coming to you if you're already a member of the Officers Club. If you are not... Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club. For $22.95 per month, you will get fantastic cigars like the Balmoral and Yeho XO delivered to you. Join now the Cigar Dave Officers Club, CigarDave.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, the October 2017 selection of cigars for the Officers Club, two Hamlet 25th year and one Tabacero by Hamlet Paredes. Now, because last week we celebrated Cigar Oktoberfest, I could not sneak in the October selection because we had the Casada keg appropriate for litation maneuvers during our big annual Cigar Oktoberfest beer tasting. So today, even though we're theoretically in November, I will enjoy the October 2017 Officers Club selection, the Hamlet 25th year. Now, Hamlet Paredes, who defected from Cuba about three years ago into first Canada, then the United States, has been rolling and blending cigars for 25 years. Starting in Cuba, now in the United States, in Honduras and Nicaragua, working with Rocky Patel. He was Habanos' number one roller and blender that went across the world to various uh, events in Europe, in Asia, in the Orient. You name it, he was there. And when he defected, he had this whole new world open to him with blending cigars from tobacco from Nicaragua, from Honduras, from Peru, from Ecuador, from the United States, from Costa Rica, from multiple countries. So to celebrate Hamlet's 25th year of blending and rolling cigars, he wanted to come out with something very special. And at the Cigar Retailers Convention this past July in Las Vegas, he, along with Rocky Patel, launched the Hamlet, Hamlet 25th year. A medium-bodied beauty that is ultra-smooth and tasty. As soon as I sampled it for the first time, we are initially going to do the Rocky Patel Vintage with a San Andrean Marone wrapper. And I said, Rocky, I love that Vintage 2000. I think it was 2009, but I said, I'm telling you right now, we've got we've to do the Hamlet 25th year. It's so incredible. He said, General, whatever you want to do, your choice. So the Hamlet 25th year uses a very cedary Ecuadorian wrapper, a very nice, flavorful, chewy Pennsylvania broadleaf binder with Honduran and Nicaraguan fillers. It is medium embodied. It has incredible smoothness. It's great any time of day or night. 
and we gave everybody a very nice Gordo 6x60, one of the two Hamlet 25ths that was in your October 2017 Officers Club selection. Indeed, a fantastic cigar. And if you are not a member of the Officers Club, I hate to tell you, you're too late to get the November 2017 selection of the Balmoral XO. However, go to CigarDave.com. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. You want to be in time for the December selection and some incredible selections we've got planned for 2018. So go ahead to CigarDave.com. Don't miss a beat. The latest and greatest comes right to you each and every month in a very spiffy Cigar Dave Officers Club pouch, and you will be the envy of every other cigar connoisseur. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave Signature Research and Development Laboratories, we've got what we're calling... The Jet SST, it is like a supersonic transport. Actually, this gives you about the same amount of uh, power and thrust as the Williams F-44 engine we're looking at at the Cirrus SF-50 single V-tail jet. That's about uh, 50 feet in front of us. Guaranteed, this will light my cigar beautifully. Cigar, cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. I will toast the foot of this beautiful-looking Hamlet 25th. And again, all I have to do is just put the cigar right behind that Williams F44 engine. And I guarantee you, you fire that bad boy up, you throw some compressed air, as well as some Jet A in there, and it will do a great job lighting this Hamlet 25th. I'll puff and rotate. Mm, taking my time. Mm. Mm. Very appropriate. We play the Air Force theme in the background. Now, today, no libation except water. And the reason is, when you're on the flight line, eight hours, bottle to throttle. I like to make it 12 hours, bottle to throttle. We do not mix any sort of alcoholic libation with anything to do with aviation or the flight line whatsoever. Even if you're just sitting your airplane not moving, we keep away. 12 hours, bottle to throttle for this five-star global alpha and uh, five-star global general. Again, we come to you from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In, Peter O'Night Airport, downtown Tampa. Just a great day to be amongst airplanes, aviation enthusiasts, and fellow alpha males, as well as some lovely hot dames. When we come back, we'll be joined by Mark Baker, the president, CEO of the AOPA. We'll be talking aviation, one of my other passions, next. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. 
Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away Come fly with me, let's float down to Peru the great Frank Sinatra, what an appropriate song, Fly Me to the Moon, and Frank Sinatra, a general aviation enthusiast, one of the first people to have a Learjet in the country, so he was very pro-aviation and uh, one of the first people to really use private aircraft in business and uh, going back and forth to concerts in Vegas and New York and around the world. And as we continue from Command Center Alpha, the Ford Theater of Operations, Flight Line 1A, right on the flight line at Peter O'Knight Airport, downtown Tampa, for the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In. My pleasure to welcome Mark Baker, the President and CEO of the uh, AOPA. We've also got Joe Kilday, the Director of Media Relations, who's uh, going to chime in as well. And uh, first of all, Joe, many thanks for your and to Mark, your hospitality as always. We appreciate you getting us a beautiful spot on the flight line to set up and broadcast from today. I'll tell you what, you can't beat a situation like this where you're by the sea and at an airport all at the same time. It's a great location, I'll tell you. Overlooking downtown Tampa, you're in a cigar. Mark, I know you love cigars. You live, I got a place in the Keys. Tampa, by far the most cigar-friendly city on the planet. No <laughs> doubt about it. Where it all began here, and you ate at the Columbia Restaurant right. last night. That's right. Like you said, it was open since 1905, and uh, the first place to have air conditioning has a restaurant in Florida, you said. that's uh, It was a special place. Absolutely. The 1905 salad, you can't go wrong with. Did you have the paella? <laughs> I did, yeah. As a matter of fact. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Did, you, did you go to last night? I did not. No. Joe, yeah. Joe? Got in late. <laughs> Joe, tomorrow, tonight. Go to Columbia. <laughs> Done. Go to Columbia. By the way, they also have a great uh, dish, snapper and papio, which is snapper in the parchment with a crab stuffing. They took that off the menu. They brought it back because I would always go in, and I would tell Richard Gonsmart, the owner, and I'd say, Richard, you got to bring that back. you got to bring it back. And I know they're, general, they're managers. And so one night I'm there, and it wasn't on the menu, and uh, one of their managers came up, and he said, you want it? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, we'll get it made for you. I said, great. So after they bring it, finished it, comes over, and uh, he said, how was it? And I said, fantastic. He goes, yeah, the chef didn't know how to make it, so I went back, back and made it for you. <laughs> well, he has been at the Columbia for, I think he's been there now 50 years. Started, 
you know, as a busboy, worked his way up. George has been there now, I want to say, 52 years, 53 years. So, George, their top manager, he made it. And I always tell him the story. I go, George, only you would go back there and make it. Nobody else knew. But now they've got it back on the menu. It's at so, the top of the menu, as a matter of fact. Now. should be at the top. The five-star <laughs> five selection. they got a great flamenco show there that they do as yeah. well. Uh, check that out tonight. Get a reservation. If you need a reservation, by the way, Joe, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. I'll drop a name. You'll, no, no, I'll call it. I'll make the reservation for you. No worries. You're in my town. We, we, we show you the hospitality. So, Mark, first of all, we're here, Peter O'Night Airport, which goes back to uh, 1935. This was the original airport for Tampa for commercial aviation. And then in 1945, after World War II, it moved over to what is now Tampa International, uh, was Drew Field back in the uh, 40s. But this is a very, very busy general aviation airport. We can see downtown 66,000 operations per year, takeoff and landing. And aircraft owners and pilots uh, decided that they wanted to come because of the great aviation history and all the pilots in Florida. Tell us about these regional fly-ins, a little bit different than the conventions you had uh, 10, 10 years or so ago. Yeah, actually, these uh, regional fly-ins, we started four years ago, and uh, this is our 20th one in those four years, and we, we purposely move them around so we can meet our members and the aviation community and create access to the conversation we want to have about general aviation. And uh, this part of Florida, of course, Florida is the number three state uh, as far as overall aviation activity. California number one. Yep, What's number two? Texas. Really? Yeah, Texas is a little bigger than Florida. It is, but it's surprising <laughs> with all the, t the training, the flight schools, and, and everybody. So that's surprising. How much bigger is Texas than, than Florida? Not Texas? much. I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but, you know, it's, it's close. Right. Really close. Right. So, and the, the deal around this part of the world here in Florida, what a great place to fly. The weather's oh. great. You know, makes a big impact uh, here, even locally. Out of these little flying, it'll be close to a million dollars of economic input. You know, the output really is kind of curved. I mean, the attendance we expect, you know, several thousands of people here in the next 24 and 48 hours, and have a lot of fun. So it's a, this is a great airport. I think this airport here has uh, almost 200, almost 300 jobs that are re related to the output just at this airport. Well, I was saying the Hillsborough County Aviation Authority, which oversees Tampa International Airport, which most people know if they fly in and out, very big airport, uh, and rated always at the top. Yep. Incredibly easy airport if you are a passenger. It's clean. The design is fantastic. By far, it's top three airports, I think, in the world. But they also operate Peter O'Knight. They operate Plant City Airport and Tampa Executive Airport, a little bit to the east. But very general aviation friendly, unlike California, where you have, uh, is it Santa Monica that Santa wants Monica. to close their airport? Right. Chicago Midway, which was, a, or not Midway, uh, P uh, Merrill Miggs Field, yep. right downtown, similar to this type of airport, where Mayor Daly illegally, in the middle of the night, took bulldozers and destroyed the runway. We have uh, aviation authority and government officials and elected officials that understand the significance and importance of aviation to this area. They really do. This is a really well-led aviation department here in Hillsborough County. And I can even tell you, as a longtime resident a number of years ago out in Orlando, I used to drive to this airport, go out commercially, rather than go through all the Mickey Mouse stuff at, uh, at right. Orlando. Literally. literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's very easy. And, and uh, it's, I have friends that fly into Tampa International, and they say, I cannot believe it. You get on the tram, and, and it was designed that you never have to walk, I think, more than like 300 yards. Mm -hmm. And they've always kept it up, and the design is such that they can keep adding new destroying a terminal, demolish a terminal, add a new terminal. The design was revolutionary back in the late 60s. It really was. But it's just so easy to get in and out. And I fly in and out of Tampa International as a general aviation pilot, and I can tell you the air traffic controllers there are fabulous. They work you in with everybody else. They are 
They're uh, they're very helpful. They are more than eager to uh, help you out, and uh, and they understand general aviation. And so, this whole area, and I think all of Florida, very aviation friendly. It is. I'll tell you what I. I really enjoy the number of airports you have access to in Florida, the places you can have restaurants on the airfields, the air recreation you can access with uh, flying around Florida. And if you know, if you go too far east or west and you hit water, take a turn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that, that is true. Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You may be able to hear a foghorn uh, in the background. That is actually the the cruise terminal is just to the east of us here right. so there are umpteen cruise ships there is commercial freighters oil tankers that come in people don't realize that tampa is a major uh, offloading port for uh, oil and for fuel products so and during the hurricanes this is where all the fuel was flowing into and governor scott had police escorts leading everybody out to various <laughs> parts uh, to you know the tankers to various parts of the state but it's very cool because if you come here on a saturday or sunday you will see the cruise ships, and you got to be very careful as you're coming in, if you're approaching from the north, because those cruise ships are pretty tall. Are. And if you follow what's called the VASI, the Visual Approach Slope Indicator, which gives you a three-degree glide slope coming in, you will end up on the Lido deck. That's right. So you want to be very, very careful. But how cool is that where you see these ships coming in and out? You've got a downtown environment. Everything at this very unique airport. And McDill Air Force Base right across the bay. Well, we talked about that C-17 Globemaster that five years ago flew in. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Right. Accidentally. How do you mistake Peter O'Knight from McDill Air Force Base? But we've got the video that we posted on the website and social media. And when you see this thing landing and the amazement of people that were standing here at the fixed base operator, and then they were at a huge crowd when they took the thing off. It took every inch of that 3,500-foot <laughs> runway. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable. I said, no way this thing's getting off. <laughs> it got off, barely, but it was pretty wild. Yeah, I don't know what that uh, pilot's doing anymore, but probably not driving C-17. He's driving a truck somewhere <laughs> coast to coast. <laughs> it didn't work out so good. Well, Mark, let's talk about the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. We have a lot of aviation enthusiasts. Obviously, my, I was telling this story at the opening of the show. My father used to take me to the Greater Buffalo International Airport on the end of runway 23 in his convertible, put me up on his shoulders when I was three years old, starting to watch planes take off and landing. I think we all have stories where we would go against the fence or we would be near an airport and watch it. We're all fascinated. And so many people are interested in aviation. They don't know how to get started. But first, tell us about the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, AOPA, when did it? When was it formed? What does it do? How can people join? Do you have to be a pilot or a pilot owner to join? Well, great, uh, great opportunity to tell you this story. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an American story at the beginning. You know, 1939, five guys sat around a table in Philadelphia and said, "Geez, you know, there's about 10,000 private airplanes uh, in the country at that point in time. The airlines are getting started. There was a grab for airspace. The uh, military was starting to be concerned about our borders and what was going on in the world." And General Aviation didn't have any kind of uh, representation in uh, Congress or in what was going on. How do we protect this freedom to fly? Uh, there was a big safety issue back in those days, the old barnstorming days. About 20, 25 percent of the planes were crashing every given year. Um, there was some concern about how would we create access and build out the infrastructure for having airports built. So AFA was formed in 1939, 78 years old, and you know the largest aviation association and group in the world. Uh, you know, over 300,000 members that uh, we represent, you know, more than, way more than half the pilot population uh, in, in the U.S. here is part of the AOP membership. And yes, you can be. Actually, it was originally started out in the 30s and 40s. You had to actually be an aircraft owner and a pilot. Uh, in the 60s, we morphed to taking on general 
population. And generally, we find a lot of people who join to learn how to fly. Mm -hmm. They want to get access to the safety information. We get over two and a half million pieces of our content is accessed every year about how to be a safer pilot. And we've just come through the safest year general aviation has ever had, even with flight hours back up uh, and starting to increase even ever more. The safety in aviation now gets to the lowest rate per 100,000 hours it's ever had. So we've been accomplishing a lot of good things as part of the community, keeping our freedom to fly, number one. You know, safety and enhancing that. And we've made a big inroad in creating a safer environment. What, what is the, what do you attribute that inroad safer environment? Is it technology? Is it education? What do you attribute that to? You know, there is, is a lot of good things are, there's a lot of good things that were part of the solution. You know, not what's one single thing, but certainly our education thing has really paid off. You know, over those two and a half million views, we have safety seminars all around the country that, you know, 20,000 people come to th somewhere in a remote location. Um, you know, I think that there has been technology improvements. You know, you're flying today with an iPad. Right. Most of us are. Your situational awareness, your weather awareness, your traffic awareness continues to Im improve. And yet we still have things that we need to improve on and are on the very beginning edges of creating low-cost autopilots. Loss of control is still the number one issue that general aviation pilots have. We want to have lower-cost autopilots, which you're now seeing through technology, that are just starting into the marketplace at thousands of dollars instead of tens of thousands of dollars. Well, also, the FAA has changed their regulations, whereas before it had to go through ex a very extensive uh, testing and so on. But the technology is so advanced that even a basic autopilot today is far safer than the autopilots of 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and most of the, uh, the airplanes we're talking about, you know, have no autopilots. I mean, they were built, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And, you know, the pilot the autopilots that were on the market before, you were able to convince the FAA and a few others to go along with, say, let's create this new category of what they call non-TSO, which means they're approved, they've been already tested, but they may not be specific about that. So it, uh, it has allowed people to now start buying autopilots for four or $5,000. Uh, which I think everybody will do eventually over time. Well, to my right is a Cessna 152. And in college at Syracuse University, that's what I learned to fly in. And uh, it did have an autopilot, and it did have auto throttle. My left hand was the autopilot <laughs> on the yoke, and my right hand on the throttle was the auto throttle. And it's a two-seater, and I think it's got a lawnmower engine in there. Uh, and I remember when I soloed, I couldn't believe the climb rate. I was climbing at like 600 feet a minute, which is unheard of when you have two people in the plane. And I made the promise that once I got my pilot's license, I would never, ever go in a Cessna 152 <laughs> again. And it's now 30-some-odd years. I've never been in a 152 again. And I went and took a look at it before I came over to start the show, and I said, how on earth did I ever fly this thing? And I will never forget on my long cross country, I was going from, I think, Baltimore to Richmond, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia to Salisbury, Maryland, Salisbury, Maryland, back to Baltimore. Started Martin State Airport uh, just to the east of Baltimore. Okay. It was a beautiful day like this, high pressure, but windy and bumpy as hell. And I, by the time I landed, I said, I don't want to get in another airplane for another month. And everywhere I went, you have to get, you know, that FBO off, to yeah, sign yeah, off yeah, to yeah, sign yeah. it. That was before you took a picture with your iPhone. <laughs> but I'll never forget that. And, you know, trying to maintain altitude when it's bumpy as hell. And I had about a 30-knot headwind coming. I think my, my ground speed was about 50 knots, which was less than what you'd be on the highway with your car today. So, but that's, that's part of, you know, the learning experience. And you don't forget that. You don't forget it. And, by the way, what happened to you, it happened to me. Same thing. I had a Cessna 150, learned how to fly, and I didn't even bought one. But, uh get hooked, didn't you? Right, I got absolutely. Hooked. You know, the whole idea, you can see so many things, you can access so many different places with aviation is truly unique to America. And I want to protect that freedom of flying. 
I don't care where you got to start over with Cessna 150, move to 172, or a Cherokee, what you move into. But people that start in aviation, stay in aviation. Absolutely. And we look at around people. We have young people here. We've got people that look as though they've been in flying for probably 60 years, but they never lose that passion. Our guest is Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, AOPA. We are coming to you front and center, Command Center Alpha, Ford Theater of Operations, Flight Line 1A, Peter O'Night Airport at the AOPA Fly-In 2017. If you miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app, presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay, or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. The brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand-new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. Started out down a dirty road. Started out. The great Tom Petty recently passed away, but his music lives on forever. And what an appropriate song. As today we come to you from the flight line at Peter Oneight Airport, downtown Tampa, for the AOPA Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly In. 
Uh, now, we're recording this on Friday, October 27th. Even though you're listening to this Saturday, November 4th, we're uh, recording this October 27th. It goes on tomorrow until October 28th. The weather is beautiful, magnificent. Aviation enthusiasts from across the southeast. And my pleasure to welcome back Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Mark, no matter what age, people are fascinated with flight. And one of the things that I say is if you love aviation, you should always attend, whether it's the Sun and Fun Fly-In, which hard to believe was six months ago, or the AOPA. And you, This is open to anybody. This That's is right. anybody, and you're going to have four of these, and your website is aopa.org. So anybody is welcome to, to come in, even if they're not a member. Well, we certainly encourage it because, you know, we want people that are inspired to learn how to fly, have an interest to come out. We want to welcome you to the airport, and we'll get you involved in a seminar. We'll get you hooked up with a flight school. We'll get you started, and we want everybody that has just a little interest, even if you just touch old airplanes, come on out. Well, the biggest thing people ask is, how do I start? I had somebody call me and say, I've always wanted to fly. I want to do it. How do I start? Who do I call? So let's ask that question to you. Well, we think the best thing to do is go online to AOPA, and we have you know flight training as one of our very significant topics. We have its own magazine called you know Training, Flight Training. And, we and your get, AOPA magazine, and our which is AOPA great. Magazine. Yep. And we obviously encourage them to, to sign up to be a member, but you don't have to be a member. Start accessing our website. Get interested. Get Find out what the flight schools in your area are, what seminars are going on. You know, pe Encourage you to, to make that connectivity and find out what schools are getting rated the best in far as teaching. We have a, a site that shows us the awards we've just handed out to all the best flight schools in the country and the best flight instructors. So you kind of a Yelp, if you will, mm -hmm. of where you get started. So when somebody does access the AOPA site, and they say, and they, I know that if they become a member, they can call and certainly ask, do you have materials that they can download or they can get sent uh, that kind of guides them on what to look for, what questions to ask? We certainly do. We have all kinds of uh, guidelines and questions to ask and where, you know, what you should think about spending and what it's going to cost and you know, how to make a decision whether you're in the right place or maybe not as good a place as you could possibly be in terms of the flight school, and then set the expectations how much time it's going to take to do it. It's all there. It's all for free. You know, it's interesting. Today we live in a high-tech society, and certainly when you and I learned to fly, we weren't using, there was no such thing as an iPad in the cockpit. I mean, we were using what was called an E6B flight computer. You know, everything was manual. It was just, you'd have to call flight service to find out the weather and write it all down. But with computers and little kids today, flight simulators for $30, $40. Microsoft Flight Simulator was the first one. And in, since it first came out 25 years ago, it was very rudimentary. Now the graphics are incredible. You see kids and even adults that know how to fly before even going in a real airplane, which is incredible. Yeah, no, it's really the visual acuity and looking at the instruments and the glass panels that exist today in the newer airplanes and actually updating the older airplanes with new kind of glass panels. The situational awareness today compared to following the old needles and trying to re look at six gauges and trying to get your scan, it's, it's way different uh, and a lot easier and a lot safer. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I learned to fly, that Cessna 152 had one radio and one navigational radio, <laughs> what's called a VOR, very high-frequency omnidirectional range. And uh, I remember learning to fly, and basically there was dead reckoning, there was pilotage, where if you see something on the map, oh, yeah, that's, that's a power plant. Good, you're in the right direction. It is incredible today how different it is with even your iPhone or your iPad. And to think even five years ago, this stuff didn't exist, and now there's something called ForeFlight, which is the leader, and you've got 
uh, uh, software as well, apps that people can put on. It's changed everything, and I think it makes it more pleasurable to fly. It certainly does. I mean, the idea you know where you're at, you know, because when we were flying in the old days, map and lap is what we used to call That's it. right. Draw a line and then find if you could identify that railroad track you're supposed to be crossing with this much time and all that kind of stuff. Now you just look at your device, and your device tells you, shows you a little plane on it, shows That's you right. where you're at, and gives you all your frequencies you need to be at, Everything. shows you where the airspace where you don't want to go is. It's very much more situational aware, and the GPS started that process you know, 20 years ago. General Aviation was the first to adopt right. GPS uh, technologies, and today everybody has it. Membership in AOPA, how much does it cost? Somebody wants to join, they go on, how much is it? We have some introductory ones, and if you're starting as a student, you know it's about $49 for a full membership, it's $69, and we're anxious to have you. And it's great because you get the AOPA magazine, I also get the flight uh, uh, the flight training magazine, which I love, and it comes on your iPod as, or iPad as well. Right. Plus you also have legal and medical services, which, right. uh, which are, are great to have, and if you want to buy a plane, you can guide people. So we'll get in, our, we'll continue our conversation with Mark Baker, President and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, as we continue next hour from Peter O'Knight Airport, downtown Tampa, KTPF. Kilo Tango Papa Foxtrot for those of you that are aviation enthusiasts. It is their regional fly-in, October 27th, 28th. By the time you're listening to it, already took place last week, but I know you will enjoy the next hour. We'll continue our conversation with Mark. We'll also be talking about drones because many people now want to become drone pilots. We've got a drone distributor. We'll talk to Mark about uh, them representing drone pilots as well as we continue from the flight line, downtown Tampa, Peter O'Night Airport. The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the General Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. We are in the Cigar City of Tampa, but we have moved our Ford Theater of Command from Humidor 1A, Command Center Alpha, to Flightline 1A, Peter O'Night Airport, two and a half miles to the south of downtown Tampa, and we are overlooking the airport. We are overlooking the runways, and we are attending the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In, a magnificent day, and tomorrow will be as well. Now, we're recording this show on Friday, October 27th, because the time you listen to this, it'll be the early part of November, but we always end October with a giant beer tasting, 24 beers for Cigar Oktoberfest. So we could not break tradition, but we are doing the next best thing. We are coming to you on uh, digital audio tape, not even tape anymore, by digital audio uh, 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 methods. 
as we celebrate aviation and great weather front and center on the flight line. Welcome back, hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show. The General, the Global Alpha and Global Five Star front and center. And I'm telling you, it is 73, 75 degrees, beautiful weather, <laughs> still visual flight rules weather. And we are coming to you from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In. They have four of these per year. And we've got uh, Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, that joins us. Mark, I've got a great quote that I would like to share with you that I happen to see that has stayed with me for probably 30 years. Once you have tasted flight, you will forever walk the earth with your eyes turned skywards. For there you have been, and there you will long to return. And that quote by Leonardo da Vinci. Fabulous quote. I've got that in my office. And how true is that? Once you have tasted flight and you are experiencing the sensation of climbing or descending and looking down, you get on the ground. The most disappointing thing, I love to land. I love a great landing. But then it's kind of a letdown. You're like, geez, now I'm not flying anymore. I actually got another little poem that a 90-year-old guy sent me. He says, the worst thing that comes at the end of the flight is not knowing how good it could be until you do it again. That's pretty much true. That's, exa <laughs> that's exactly right. And we all, and, and you know, there's so many cool times when I love taking a day trip, whether it's going to St. Augustine or going to Miami or down to the Keys or, or anywhere in the state of Florida or even in Georgia, where you leave in the morning, maybe an hour, an hour and a half flight, you land, you have lunch, you check out a city, and then you're back. You know, I'm back in Tampa by dinner time. And the feeling of freedom and exhilaration, and when I take friends, they're like, that is so cool, we just did that. Yeah. They're blown away. It is, you know, the time machine value of an aircraft, general aviation aircraft, and the access points that you just wouldn't otherwise get to, wouldn't happen, uh, is unique to general aviation, and it's unique to this country. And protecting that freedom of flight is what AOP has always been about. And we'll talk about some government, potential government uh, intrusions into that. But first, you love cigars. You've got an interesting background before we get into cigars. You've had a lot of great jobs. You were with Home Depot as a senior executive. You were in the home improvement business. I would say the AOPA jobs got to rank right up there. Oh, gosh. Hey, you know, uh, I've been training my whole life for this job. Uh, I've been flying since, uh, well, 40 years this year, 1977. And I used aviation in every one of my business aspects, either locating stores, even back to the Home Depot days, or other retailers that I have led and CEO for a couple of them, or opening plants for Scott's Miracle Grow. I was a chief operating officer for that as well. Uh, I've done some turnarounds, uh, but uh, I couldn't have done the roles that I've been involved in and grown businesses at significantly high growth rates without aviation. There's no way. And then I get home on a Saturday, and I go play with a toy airplane and have fun in a float plane or an acrobatic airplane or World War II airplane or something. Uh, so I've been devoted to aviation from a business and access, recreation, and then taking family trips on the thing. Now, you have a, uh, a home down in the Keys, correct? That's right. How did you fare uh, during Irma? <laughs> it wasn't any fun. When you get to the, I did fly in there on Monday right after the, you could get in there. Without general aviation, I wouldn't be able to get there because the roads were closed to the Keys for seven or eight days. No water, no power. So we flew into the airport at Summerlin Key, and it uh, it was a disaster zone. And, uh, you know, it's a mess. I mean, four feet of water went through uh, the, basically the first floor, which in my case was a hangar, so it wasn't as bad. But when you got uh, big parrotfish about that big swimming in your pool with all the mud and dirt and all the trees are laid all over and cars in the canal in the backyard, it is pretty yeah, ugly. It's, it's people don't realize the devastation and people still digging out from it, Puerto Rico and Texas here in Florida. It's one of those things where you, when it was coming through, and we thought it was going to be a direct hit to Tampa, right downtown here. It's almost surreal. It is. I was closing my house, getting ready to evacuate. And talk about general aviation. I used general aviation to evacuate my German Shepherd Sultan and I. <laughs> First time he's ever flown. 
Did great. Uh, slept halfway. Uh, I evacuated Charleston, South Carolina. On the way back, slept the entire flight. Only when we landed, he got up and looked around, and I said, sure, now you want to look out the window. I did all the work. But it really was kind of a, a neat bonding experience. But So you live actually uh, in the Keys above your airplane. Yes, I am. Yeah, there's a hangar home that's on the on the airport called Summerlin Key. Um, and then there's a Sugarloaf. There's a couple of private airports in the Keys because the main airports were actually closed as well so that the military could conduct the rest of their uh, search and rescue efforts. So it was the only access. We, uh, we and all kinds of charity groups flew hundreds and hundreds of flights bringing meals ready to eat because there's no place to eat. There's no water, so fresh water we brought into the place. Um, and chainsaws and generators were all donated, flown out of Lakeland and Homestead. Uh, so we turned general aviation into a positive for relief and helping and support people here and as well as Houston. Tens of thousands of pounds worth of relief goods brought in by general aviation, both these places. Well, people don't realize that, that, uh, again, we saw volunteers taking their own airplanes, yep. packing their planes with relief goods, with with food, with water, as much as they could get in. And some of these Cessnas and, and the Pipers and the Cirrus, they're not big airplanes, but whatever they could get in, they did. And those were people that volunteered. That wasn't government mandating things. They did it on their own volition. And, you know, we see so many great acts. I know that uh, there's an organization where if they have to transport patients, they do that voluntarily. Whether it's rescue dogs, they do that. General aviation is an important part of America. And we talk about, as Americans, we, we love, we have a very vast country. We love freedoms, and freedom to fly is one of them. And I think it's a very important thing. And one of the encroachments we're looking at now, and which really surprises me, that President Trump, who I'm a big supporter of, and he is by far the number was the number one user of general aviation during the campaign <laughs> with Trump Force One and 757, yep. now wants to privatize. Now I wouldn't be against privatizing if a couple of things. Number one, the method in which. The taxation, the, the, the uh, new organization funded would be the same way through fuel tax, where basically for every gallon I put into my plane, I'm taxed. I don't have to file a report. I don't have to write a check to the government at the end of the quarter or the end of the year. I don't have to file a tax return. I know that if I fly 100 hours or 10 hours, it's based upon consumption. The more that I fly, the more I'm going to pay. And if general aviation and everybody was equally and fairly represented, not just the airlines. Because I think there is a, some room for privatization, but the way they're talking about it, the airlines would by far and large dominate this thing, and we would be looking at a Canada system where we'd be talking about endless paperwork and reports compared to what we have now. We pay by a fuel tax where it's seamless. You couldn't be more right. You know, this whole idea, like many of us, believe that smaller government's better government. And yet this message of privatization is false. It's not really a privatization because it doesn't get bid on, doesn't get sold out, gets moved over for free to this board that's 13 members, only two of which would be business aviation and general aviation. How many would be airline? Well, basically, there'd be three airline guys, be, but then there's cargo guys, regional guys, the Airline Pilots Association, <laughs> Union. Basically, it would be at 11 to 2. <laughs> right, absolutely. Right. And you know what? Donald Trump, when he gets out of office, and there's going to be a day when he's going to maybe, hopefully it's going to be seven years from now, not three years from now, but he's going to want to take Trump Force One around the country, and all of a sudden his pilots are going to tell him, well, here's what it's going to cost us, and here are the reports now that we have to file. We don't need more government paperwork. No, I, I've got a good friend that has a pretty large twin-engine airplane, but he went from just the border in Minnesota to Thunder Bay, which is like, uh, call it 90 miles. Right. It was $600 he got a bill in the mail for. $600? Canadian for Navca what? For Nav Canada. For moving a, right. a twin-engine airplane that far. So, you know, the point is, 
I want to figure out how to make our FAA more efficient. Let's figure out how to take some cost out. Let's figure out how to get them the right funding. You know, the, the real taxpayers here are the passengers that ride on the airlines and thus those of us that burn fuel. Right. The FAA system from a financial point of view is not broken. Of all the other places in the government, it basically funds itself, the FAA. It does. Yeah. So what are we really trying to do here? It's just an airline grab here for control, and ultimately they'd want to redistribute the, the costs. And you get a fee every time you get on, you know, on, the, on the flight line and you want to file a flight plan, it'll be ping, 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 ping like the rest of the world. We have a very efficient system right now where the refiners actually pay the fuel tax and then they charge it to us when we burn it. For example, I know that on, on, the, on the line, when I go to fill up, whatever, put 110 gallons or whatever it is in, tells you how much the base price is, whatever, 510 a gallon, and it says federal excise tax for fuel, whatever that is. 20 cents a gallon. 20 cents a gallon. So if I'm flying using, let's say I fly two hours, I'm paying it, whether I'm flying 2,000 hours, That's right. everybody pays it. And again, the beauty is I don't have to file a report. When I want to file a flight plan, I do it. I don't have to get a bill for it. Everything works. And for a Donald Trump, who during the campaign was flying everywhere, he was burning a lot of jet fuel. He was paying 20 cents a gallon, too. And I guarantee you that bill was pretty significant. <laughs> and, and again, it's not the, the financial end of the FAA is not broken. What is broken is this constant, just endless upgrade to technology. When in, 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 our, in our own cockpits, we use iPads and things that are efficient. The FAA can't get out of their own way. Well, there's good news coming on that front. You know, the uh, I sit on what's called the Next Gen Advisory Committee, which has got four, four platforms, like ADSB is one of those platforms. But the one of the big ones, I think, in coming in the future that's going to save airlines and us uh, is called Datacom. At the last meeting, Southwest said that, that they saved 133,000 flight minutes. So they have their clearances basically on an iPad. And they hit yes, and it loads to their cockpit right there. Instead of, you know, how the busy you can get on the radio and how much chatter right. there is. 133,000 minutes in a few months of big jets of time. And so these technologies are starting to really hit the, hit the market. And I think you're going to see big savings for the airlines on, on that side of it. But they also have to equip. And one of the things that the airlines have been reluctant to do is spend tens of billions of dollars equipping these airplanes with this newer machinery that they will actually save them time. Well, I just was looking at a video. Uh, and by the way, if you're an aviation enthusiast, go to YouTube. Just type in airplanes, yeah. cockpit, <laughs> learning to fly. It's unbelievable. You can sit there every night and, and, and watch. And I do. I sit in front of my big screen, and, and I just love watching these high-dev videos, especially when people now using their GoPros in the cockpits. But they had an interesting... Uh, they, they showed uh, NetJets, which is a fractional ownership. They were ferrying some Embraer Phenom 300s. And they talked about how archaic it is. You're using 1930s radio technology without radar or GPS to cross the Atlantic or the Pacific. And think about this. We use GPS in our airplanes. We use uh, a, a, you know, radar environment. But the technology is there, and we're flying like it's the dark ages yeah. across uh, many parts of aviation. Yeah, that, you know, as they, until they get all the satellite you know, things launched, you know, there are going to be some dark holes. Like we can't find that flight still where it went down in Malaysia. Right. So you know, those are the technologies that I think are evolving, and we're going to be at lower costs. We're interested in that. But in this country, for flying general aviation and the 5,000 public use airports that we have, the airlines only use a couple hundred of them. We want to protect that freedom to have access without having all those incremental fees. Don't forget the air ambulances. That's right. Where they have to fly into remote airports to pick people up. And that's another segment of aviation that people don't realize. 
the number of air ambulances on a daily basis that are transporting organs, that are transporting critical care patients. You don't realize that until you actually sit in an airport and uh, at a fixed base operator. The FBO is the private terminal that where planes come in and out, the uh, little aviation language that we're using. But when you see the number of air ambulances coming in and out, it really is incredible. And that's part of general aviation, not the airlines. That's right. Saving lives. I mean, minutes matter. And that's the only exactly. way you're going to be able to get those organs uh, to make sure that they can save that patient is use aviation. It's a huge part of the network that we use today. Mark, can you stick around for one more segment? Sure. Make it. We've got about six, seven minutes on our next segment. We'd love to have you stick around. Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pots Association. When we come back, we'll talk to Mark about his love of cigars because <laughs> we first started chatting and and uh, talked about cigars, love cigars. I gave him some great uh, Officers Club selections. Yeah, so when we that. come back, uh, we will talk cigars and we'll talk about the good life as we come to you from Peter O'Night Airport, downtown Tampa at the AOPA Fly-In overlooking beautiful downtown Tampa. What a great day. Why, we shouldn't be talking here, Mark. We should be out flying <laughs> yeah, right exactly. now. It's that gorgeous. I'm looking at the biplane. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is the Balmoral Añejo XO. This cigar has a beautiful sun-grown Brazilian Arapiraca wrapper, Dominican Oler binder, and fillers from the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, and Brazil. This cigar has notes of cedar, cacao, spices, and an underlying sweetness. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. In this difficult and challenging time, when the government is trying to outlaw premium cigars and take away the art form of enjoying a beautiful cigar, we decided to introduce our brand called Prohibition. This cigar is going to be the bootlegger's dream. A gorgeous cigar made in Esteli, Nicaragua, triple capped using a broadleaf wrapper and a Mexican wrapper from the San Andreas Valley. It's got Nicaraguan tobaccos from the Nicaraguan valleys of Esteli and Jalapa. It's rich, it's complex, it's got some spice, some white pepper, and a ton of sweetness. Full of flavor, this cigar is one that you're gonna wanna enjoy and you're gonna bootleg, and that's why it's called Prohibition. Enjoy it, I promise you're gonna love it.
Jones. Now, this is Fly Like an Eagle by the Steve Miller Band. Next life, I'm coming back as a bird because it costs you nothing to fly. It's free. <laughs> Absolutely free, and you can do it all day. We continue on the flight line here at Peter O'Knight Airport, downtown Tampa. We're at the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In. Mark Baker, the president and CEO of AOPA, our guest, as well as Joe Kilday, director of media relations. And I promise, Joe will actually speak in this segment. <laughs> but, uh, Mark, you, uh, when I, you and I first met probably about three years ago when you became president of AOPA over at the Sun and Fun over in Lakeland. We started talking about cigars. And you say, ah, I love cigars. How'd you get into cigars? Tell us about your love of cigars. Well, you know, I have to tell you the true story. I got introduced to them by uh, being a big duck hunter and a fisherman. And if you'd ever duck hunted and fished in northern Canada, there's nothing but bugs. <laughs> so it was started off as defense. <laughs> it's it's a repellent. It is well, a repellent. And now they seem like they're so connected you can't separate the two, hunting and, and, and fishing without having a cigar. And by the way, cigars are a great anti-nag repellent too. So if you've got any women that nag you, you smoke your cigar, and the good ones will come and say, oh, I love the aroma of that cigar. So tell us, you started getting into cigars. What do you like to smoke? What, what flavor, complexion, any brands? Well, you know, the ones that you've got here, I always look forward to meeting with you. You guys, I mean, you have unbelievable taste here, man. Uh, <laughs> well, we got you the Alec Bradley yeah. sep uh, September selection, which has an Alec Bradley Sanctum, the Alexand uh, Alex Bra uh, Alec Bradley Nicopuro, and the Black Market. That's from a year ago, so that's it, been it, aging. It, and this is the La Galera Maduro from July of this year. Nice medium, medium plus cigars. You can't go wrong. And again, you're in Tampa, the Cigar City. I'm going to give you a name of a place to go to yep. while you're here. Okay. It's the it's right by Tampa International Airport, across from International Mall. It is called the Davidoff. Uh, yes, Davidoff. I've been there. Okay, right. <laughs> Davidoff Cigar Lounge and Store. Yeah. And uh, if you go tomorrow night after the event, I'll yeah. meet you over there. Okay. And you and I'll have a cigar. I got a private locker with some nice libations. No, no uh, alcoholic libations on the flight line today. Yeah, by the way, right. uh, after it's an after flying event. Absolutely. <laughs> but we'll go and uh, tomorrow when you guys are uh, wrapping up. You're not flying back tomorrow, are you? No, no. I'm going down to the Keys on Sunday though. Perfect. So tomorrow maybe. Uh, now I should say to everybody once again this. Uh, AOPA flying is taking place October 27th and 28th. We're recording Friday, October 27th, because uh, on October 28th, we have our annual Cigar Oktoberfest beer tasting. So this is running and airing on November 4th. But we wanted to be out here. We couldn't miss it. And, uh, Mark, I've got to thank you for your hospitality and allowing us to come out once again. Just love being out here and being amongst great friends. Well, we sure like sharing the aviation story together and, and the, uh, what you can do in this country to fly and how accessible it is, how much fun it is, and there isn't anything like it. We just want to encourage your, your audience to come on and try it. I tell you, what, what, so what do you like to smoke? What are your normal go-to brands? You know, I'm trying to remember the last one I just had because it was I brought it from Cuba. I went down to Cuba. Uh, <laughs> oh, Cuba. Oh, okay. But I don't remember good. the... You know, I went, Monte I, Cristo? I, yes, it was. And I flew into the Havana, uh, my own airplane, because you know, it's opened up a bit, and you can make some of the trips, and so now it's gotten a little tighter again. But, right. But it is interesting. And, and some of the, the, the smokes down there, going to the shops down there, I... I, I can't remember the brand that they call it because I couldn't even pronounce it, but it was awesome. But Monte Cristo. Marta, Monte Cristo, Partagas. 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 Yes, that's it. That's Very it. good brand. You that's got right. Romeo that's and right. Julieta. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's some in Tampa. You've got J.C. Newman, which yeah. is Diamond Crown and Brick House and Perla Del Mar. In fact, if you go to Ybor City, you, you pass by when you got off 5-4. They're right at the first exit. You see the J.C. Newman Questor A yeah. factory yeah. right there. You'll see it, uh, uh, Joe, when you go uh, tonight for dinner. Uh, Arturo Fuente is here. Fuente, this yeah. is just loaded with history. How do you history. pick a favorite? 
you got to sample a lot of cigars. <laughs> the key is never pick a favorite. Keep 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 smoking great cigars until right. you find a favorite. Now, Joe, you're going to have these. You're, you've moved these out to various parts of the country. Where are we going to see these in 2018? Well, we just recently announced our uh, 2018 schedule, and it's going to start out in June in uh, Missoula, Montana. I'm coming to that one. Why that's going to be a fun one. That's a that's a popular one. We've heard a lot from a lot of folks who are excited about that. Uh, and then we've got one in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in September. Uh, Carbondale, Illinois in October, and then we're close ending up the season in Gulf Shores, Alabama in October, not too far away. I'll see you guys at least one of them next year. Mark Baker, President, CEO, and Joe Kilday, Director of Media Relations, the AOPA Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Gentlemen, great having you on once again. Thanks, man. All right, we're coming to you front and center on the flight line, Peter O'Night Airport, downtown Tampa, for the AOPA annual, or I should say regional fly-in, one of four across the country. Perfect weather, perfect location. As Lee Corso would say, life is good. Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, Kindle, and iOS so you can listen to the general anytime, anywhere. The Cigar Dave mobile app is presented by Diamond Crown. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store today. The Cigar Dave Officers Club features fantastic cigars shipped directly to you every month. I'm pleased to announce the November 2017 Officers Club selection. It is the Balmoral Añejo XO. XO standing for extra old as all the tobaccos in this cigar are extra aged. The Balmoral Añejo XO features a wrapper from Brazil, a Brazilian sun-grown arapiraca. Filler three-country blend, Brazil, the Dominican Republic, and Nicaragua. The Balmoral Añejo XO delivers subtle notes of sweetness, underlying hints of spice, and just a touch of cocoa and chocolate. The Balmoral Añejo XO coming to you if you're already a member of the Officers Club. If you are not... Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club. For $22.95 per month, you will get fantastic cigars like the Balmoral and Yeho XO delivered to you. Join now the Cigar Dave Officers Club, CigarDave.com. As you can tell, all of our music today, aviation-themed, as we come to you from Flightline 1A, Peter O'Night Airport, downtown Tampa. The airline code, or the ICAO, International Civil Aviation Organization code, for Peter O'Night Airport is KTPF, Kilo Tango Papa Foxtrot, KTPF. Tampa International is KTPA, thus the different designation for Peter O'Night. And we are overlooking downtown Tampa. We're about three miles to the south of downtown Tampa at the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Regional Fly-In. A beautiful day, sunny, blue skies. Okay, now I count maybe 18 little white wispy clouds. Nothing that would get in the way of a beautiful airplane ride. Or flying your drone. 
And drones have become very popular, a lot of drone pilots. There's some regulations on drones. You definitely don't want to fly your drones in airport surroundings or above certain heights. And we are joined by Rob Settle of Drone Nerds down in uh, South Florida. Robert, uh, Rob is a drone specialist. So, Rob, tell me, what is a drone specialist? Oh, yeah, a drone specialist is um, just basically the drone market is uh, definitely growing. Um, a lot of people getting into drones now, so there's a big, broad spectrum of the knowledge base of, of people out there. Some people don't know, they're not familiar with what they can or can't do with a drone, so um, I do have a little bit more knowledge than the, than the average drone person out there. And we will definitely get to what you can and cannot do with drones. But drones, when did we start seeing drones? I mean, like, I don't remember five years ago hearing the term drones. Maybe about three years ago is when I really started to hear them uh, in just general conversation. And certainly over the last probably year and a half, it's really exploded. Sure. I mean, there's always been a, the RC uh, hobbyist and things like that. Um, there have been drones out there for a little while, but what's really coming to the mainstream is the uh, GPS control that they have. So it's become a lot easier and a lot more uh, stable and more reliable. So, you know, there's always things, think what goes up must come down. But in this case, at this point, they're really easy to fly. They basically fly themselves. When you think about drones, I remember going to Sharper Image way back and buying this little... You know, uh, it looked like a drone at the time. You'd fly it around your house. It didn't go more than maybe, you know, 40 feet in the air. But things have changed. Now, certainly there are people that fly drones strictly just as a hobby. And now there's sports leagues where they race drones in arenas and so on. But drones becoming very popular for business, whether it's for real estate, whether it's for we just saw the hurricanes for damage assessment, really a lot of business uh, usages for drones. Mm, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's a broad spectrum. You know, there's the there's the user base that's um, just out for uh, enjoy their own personal enjoyment. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of professional applications for the drone in search and rescue um, and also things like livestock and farming. I mean, basically there's endless possibilities what you can do to them. They're using even using them in, uh, in some type of mining industries, things like that. All right, so let's talk about I want to get into drones. I'm an, an aviation enthusiast. I love to fly anything around flying. I know that uh, when I was over visiting your booth here at the AOPA uh, Regional Fly-In, that you showed me a, a drone called the Spark from DGI, or DG, DJI, one of the larger drone manufacturers. Right. They're, they're actually pretty much the biggest. They're the biggest. Yeah. Do you carry other manufacturers as well? Um, pretty much what we focus on is DJI from time to time. We do you know, try to, to see Because they products. have a big product line? Definitely, definitely. Okay, so the DJI uh, has their Spark, which is, again, it looks like it doesn't even look bigger than really a, uh, probably the four cigars I have in front of me here. And they've got different colors. And when I looked at it and picked it up pretty light, and you said, don't let that fool you, that is a real live, that's a good drone. Right. I mean, I mean, the base model came out in white, but now they actually have the Spark in uh, four different colors. And when you look at it at first, because it's so small, it might throw you off and make you think it's some kind of toy. But it's actually a greater evolution of a lot of the drone products that DJI has re released before, including some of their bigger models like the Inspire, which are thousands of dollar aircrafts. But the Spark is a, a small, affordable unit at just $499. Okay. So when we talk about something like the Spark, $499. Does that have a camera on board? Absolutely. It has a camera. It's 4K. Uh, you can do 30 frames per second at 4K or uh, take pictures. It's got a nice sensor and it takes 20 megapixel photos. Now, does it do it with a some sort of image card um, uh, on board or yeah. is it is it is it Wi-Fi or how does that work? It's a little bit it? of both. So there's there's an SD card on board so you can save the crisp image, um, but also gives you feedback on, on your mobile device so that you can see the image or see the photos that you're taking and it, and it does a cache registry on the device. So even if for whatever reason the drone weren't returned to you, 
um, you'd still maintain your data and your images. Okay, so how do you fly? Is it remote control, or is there something with your uh, iPhone or your Android? How do you sure. fly these things? The I mean, the base model of the Spark doesn't come with a remote, but you can always add one. But for the most part, the Spark is designed to be flown with your cell phone. I um, mean, when I say flown, I don't mean that you're actually in control it the whole time because the Spark's main ploy is that it's uh, it's autonomous in most cases. You can give it small missions, like fly up in the air and just do a quick selfie of myself, uh, get a little bit of footage while I'm on the beach, and just come back and land here real easily. And it'll do all that on its own without you doing any control inputs, just basically hitting the start and start button, and it'll do that for you. Okay, but let's say I'm uh, outside and I'm not near an airport and I want to fly it. How many, what's the maximum amount of feet you can fly a drone? Well, any drone, any, any drone for recreational use or professional use, the limit is 400, and that's just regulated by the FAA. Um, so you can't go over 400. Um, but for the most part, all the drones out of the box are limited already, and you can't change that. So there's no problem. You wouldn't have any uh, to worry about, you know, breaking the law or anything. And what is the uh, the limit when you're around? You can't fly it within an airport. There's a certain radius, correct? Sure. There's definitely different air. You know, obviously there's different airspaces and different classifications and restrictions. Um, you know, if you're just using it for recreational purposes, you more than likely aren't going to be able to activate the drone and fly in, a, in an airspace or a closed airspace. Uh, but if you go a little further um, into that and you are licensed, then you can unlock, get the drones unlocked and actually fly. Like as we are here today at the show, we are flying drones in the cage, um, but we have a, a licensed drone pilot who's actually operating within the cage and staying in that boundary. Okay, we'll talk about how to become licensed and what are the requirements are. But talking about that Spark again, that uh, DJI Spark, it goes maximum 400 feet. Now, if I want to, I'm uh, somewhere, and let's say, for example, I want to assess some damage in my house. Let's say there's a roof, I may, there could be a leak, or I just want to shoot an aerial around my neighborhood. Can you do that using a remote control? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the Spark is based with, to be able to use with a remote control, and you can get full control and fly. Um, for what you're mentioning, you know, like th there are different models in the DJI line, some of the bigger ones like the Phantoms um, or the Inspires that are more prone to be used for inspections and things like that. The Spark is a very rich recreational use. Um, if you wanted to do something more serious, you'd probably get one of the the other models of the DJI products. And you say these are easy to fly? Absolutely. They, they, they can, for the most part, if you've never even flown before, you can actually tell them to take off and land all on their own, so you can eliminate that process and you can kind of just focus on learning to fly. Okay, so the Phantom 4 then is the next step up from the Spark? Um, the Phantom 4 would actually be a similar product, yeah, but it's definitely larger and more stable in the air. Okay, and what does that run with the camera and remote control? Sure, the, the Phantom 4 Professional is running for uh, 1499 and the difference between that aircraft is actually it has sensors all around, so it will avoid a collision in all directions um, because, I said, you can map them and you can make them do autonomous flight. Uh, so with that in mind, it does have sensors to avoid running into things. Okay, and then the Inspire, is that up from the Phantom 4? Sure. The Inspire, you're, you're getting more in the professional level. Um, there's some high-end cameras with some nice sensors uh, that you can put on there, like the X5S camera has a micro four-third sensor. Um, for cinematic use, it's a big aircraft. Um, but again, if, from the smallest Spark all the way up to the biggest Inspire, they're simple to fly, and they're all in the same program. So once you learn one, you pretty much can fly any of them. So it's pretty much line of sight. You have to be able to see the drone when you're controlling it? Yeah, in actuality, the, dis the, the drones can, can travel uh, you know, well over a mile away from you um, uh, horizontally. Uh, but as long as you keep the drone within line of sight, um, you're still within in regulation. You're not doing anything wrong. Okay, and do you see the on the remote controls, uh, do you actually get a bird's eye view, what you're seeing, or... Is it just something you just have to look at it uh, in the sky, and that's how you kind of tell? Yeah, the, the remotes, uh, they integrate your smart device. So be your, your iPhone or your, your Android device, or even an iPad can be hooked into there. And you get the visual of the camera. But not only that, do you get the visual, you get 
uh, a lot of other information, like your longitude and latitude, of course. And you can have a, a satellite imagery of where the drone is, and you can see the flight path as well. So there's quite a bit of information on the screen. Uh, but in, again, if you're experienced and you're just out there to, to, to fly around, you actually don't even need that visualization. Um, the, the drone itself has a lot of signals to let you know if it's low battery or things like that. Rob Settle, drone specialist from Drone Nerds, our guest here at the AOPA Fly-In, Peter O'Night Airport, downtown Tampa. And as I just look down the flight line, I can see the new Cirrus SF-50 Vision Jet, single-engine jet, just landed. Beautiful blue and white coloring. I can hear the sound, and I'm drooling. There is foam coming from my mouth because uh, I have been watching for the last 10, 11 years since they developing that jet. And I've seen it in the air, but this is the first time I've seen it land and taxi up close. Just listen. I don't know if you can hear that jet sound, but... There's just something very sexy and sensual and erotic about listening to that, the, the whirling of the jet. Listen to that. Oh, it's an orgasmic experience. I'm telling you, listen to it. It's taxing right now. You can hear it, uh, and I'm looking at this plane. It's being guided. Just listen to that. That is sexy. Beautiful. November 525 Charlie, uh, correction, November 5-2 Charlie Victor, N-5-2-CV is the tail number, and it's a V-tail. So it looks as though uh, what you see on some of those military drones, but uh, i tell you, Rob, that looks like a pretty nice uh, bird to fly, does it not? That's a really nice-looking aircraft, yes, sir. Yeah, they spent a lot of time developing that, and that is a very cool airplane. Uh, but the cool thing is, is that even if you love aviation, you don't have to spend $2 million for that plane. You can get into a drone for $499, and you can satisfy your, your love of aviation and get some really cool uh, video and so on. So basically, when we look at the, I know there's some really big drones, we're seeing now new, uh, TV newscasts, we're seeing Hollywood uh, in movies. Many of them are using these drones. It's really got universal applications. Oh, yeah. With, I mean, with that being said, you said like movies and, and things. Um, you know, sometimes you just need a quick aerial shot, and, and it can be expensive to get a helicopter or airplane up in the air where, where you can take the drone and just get it in a few minutes and definitely at, at minimal cost. Okay, so being a, how do you get licensed to be a drone pilot? Sure. Do you have to register? I know at one time you had to register your drone with the FAA. I know a court, I think, threw that out. So tell us what the regulations are and, and how to become proficient at being a drone pilot. Absolutely, yes. There's definitely a designation by the FFA to have a requirement if you're going to use the aircraft or the drone for professional use. Um, you know, if, like again, if you're recreational using it, you don't need any type of licensing. Um, but you can get you can study for the Part 107 um, and take a test that's administered by the FAA. And um, once you have that test, you'll be able to fly, fly professionally or, again, like in closed airspaces, you can get those restrictions lifted um, when you need to. Also, um, with that being said, if you are already a pilot and you already have all your credentials and certifications, you can actually just take the test online. Um, so in other words, you can get your drone uh, license today and use it for any commercial purpose you like at that point. And I can get it as an endorsement on my uh, license. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. So basically, what are the tests? Just talking about airspace or is there specific... Uh, questions about how the, how the drone flies? Um, I mean, it's pretty much specific about airspace. Okay. Uh, so it's mostly questions that if you're, like I said, if you're a licensed pilot, you probably know all these answers already. Um, the only one that you may not know is just the limitation of the drone's height, which is 400 feet at all times. He's, I'm going to get that answer right. That I can guarantee. <laughs> you just told me that. How many questions are on the test? Uh, it was only 60 questions. Oh, that's it. Okay. It's like a regular uh, FAA test. No Definitely. big deal. And uh, I'm sure there's some course online. You can get some course prep. 
uh, and there, learn. There's definitely plenty of uh, applications out there. Um, drone Nerds, we off actually offer some training out there, so if anybody's interested, you can always contact us first. But there's a lot of other training entities out there giving you study guides and getting you ready for, for those questions. Again, you know, if you are a professional pilot, you know the answers already. But if you're just someone who wants to get into the drone business, um, just study for the test and go take it, the Part 107. You don't have to be a professional pilot to be a drone, a licensed drone pilot. Uh, it's just a little easier if you are. Okay, so for $499, uh, and then how much is the additional kit with the remote control sure, and everything else? Sure, sure. I mean, there's the 499 is the base kit for the Spark. For 699 you get uh, an extra battery, a charging hub. You also get a remote because, as I said, you use the uh, phone to control it. But you can get a hard remote with actual you know, th uh, thrust sticks. Um, and that's 699 and it's a really good package. And it's probably the way to start because it has all the accessories that you'd be looking for if you bought the base model in the first place. I think I'm going to have to uh, check that out. I, I know you've got that nice little uh, cage that uh, it's like a... Um, like it looks like the netting that you'd see over at a baseball so game. Looks like a batting game. cage. Yeah, yeah, batting cage. So I'm going to have to go in. And what do you have? Uh, the Spark in there? Uh, we're actually flying its bigger brother, which isn't much bigger. It's actually the Mavic. Um, it's a it's a small aircraft, but it's similar in size. The Mavic actually is a foldable aircraft. We can fold all the arms in. Um, and the pants that I'm wearing today, I can actually fit that aircraft in my pocket and the remote in the other. So it's a super small aircraft as well. But if you go to that cage, you're going to see the uh, the much, much bigger relative of all of them, which is the Inspire 2, and that's the professional. You know, there's a joke there. What do I see in your pants? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a Mavic drone. <laughs> <laughs> You'll definitely be able to get away with that one. Yeah, what's the bulge in your trousers? It's a drone. Don't get, you know, literally, but you take it out. People are like, geez, the guy's not kidding. It is a drone. Uh, so I'm going to come over uh, after the show, and I'm going to try flying that thing because you say it's relatively easy. It's super easy. Well, if I, can fly, if I can fly a regular uh, airplane, a jet, as well as a, uh, a piston, an airplane, maybe I, I probably will be okay with a drone. Let's hope so. All right, sounds good. Well, Rob, we definitely appreciate it. Again, that is Rob Settle, drone specialist at Drone Nerds, just like a regular nerd, N-E-R-D-S, dronenerds.com. And uh, you are the biggest distributor of uh, drones in the country. That's true. That's absolutely correct. And you service drones too? Oh, yeah. Actually, we do have a full repair center. So, you know, what, like I said, what goes up must come down. Um, if you do have an accident, you can always call us and we'll help you out with that. All right. You're in Aventura, so I get to South Florida. Next time, I'm going to come and give you a call. Definitely. Thank you. Sounds great. Well, enjoy your uh, stay here in the Cigar City of Tampa the next two days. The weather is great. I know you will enjoy yourself. Rob Settle of Drone Nerds. I'll tell you, now I'm motivated to go and fly that drone and maybe get a drone and uh, just kind of check everything out. Very, very cool. You can never get enough of flying. And a drone is a good way to just, you can actually do it right from, uh, probably right from a hammock or uh, a lounge chair outside by your pool or by your backyard. Very, very cool. All right, we will wrap things up. The final and concluding segment of this special edition of the Cigar Dave Show from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In at Peter O'Neill Airport, downtown Tampa, comes your way next. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? 
Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yet costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. The brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. For both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words Hold my hand In other words As we wrap up this special edition of the Cigar Dave Show on Flightline 1A, Peter O'Night Airport, downtown Tampa, KTPF, the uh, airport code, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In. As a reminder, even though you are listening to this on Saturday... November 4th, when we broadcast live. This is actually being recorded Friday, October 27th, and this uh, AOPA fly-in went October 27th and 28th. We wanted to make sure that uh, we were able to conduct our Cigar Oktoberfest annual beer tasting in the month of October, so therefore we're recording, and you're listening to this November 4th. Now, we still have a couple of beer-related Cigar Oktoberfest stories that I would like to get to. Before I do that, our last guest from Drone Nerds, Rob Settle was talking about, I was mentioning various ways that you could have your drone by your pool or uh, out and about if you wanted to just uh, just fly it around your backyard. And I've got a great use for it. Well, I have the 32 hot bodacious dames in the harem who love to go topless at the five-star pleasure palace. This would be a wonderful way to monitor all their jiggly movements from the air. Now, certainly I will be doing it from the ground, but I also want to monitor it from the air to get a 3D perspective. And it gives you an interesting angle, interesting take. Now, I know that it's in vogue for every woman to come out and say, me too, I was sexually harassed. So if any of my harem or any woman deems that telling dirty jokes uh, is sexual harassment or me complimenting women on how they look, uh, that they look great, they smell great, love their shoes, love their dress, 
or if they have a problem with me talking about the bodacious members of the harem, then I am guilty as charged, and I am a serial sexual harasser because I'm waiting for someone to say, especially after we heard President H.W. Bush being being uh, 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 accused of sexual harassment because he told a dirty joke, put his, his arm around that drooped down on a woman's ass. Big deal. But the fact of the matter is, I am telling you we're going to start hearing women saying, so-and-so complimented me on my dress, or so-and-so said my shoes look great, meaning he was looking at my legs. Well, if you find a compliment from an alpha male to be offensive, then too bad, and then I am guilty as charged. And i gotta, I got to get a kick. You love where women go out and they wear these beautiful low-cut dresses with, uh, with a very short dress where their legs go from Key West all the way to New York, and of course men are going to look. Of course I'm going to compliment them and say, you look like a million bucks. You look smashing. Of course I'm going to say that. So if anybody says that that's sexual harassment, well, then I'm happily guilty as charged. Okay, talking about aviation since we're at the AOPA fly-in and beer, this is very cool. The Great American Beer Festival kicked off a few weeks ago in Denver, but it actually kicked off on JetBlue Flight 97, dubbed Flytoberfest. Uh, it was a New York to Denver flight, and it was the first ever beer tasting at 30,000 feet, and it was led by the founder and chairman of Sam Adams Beer, Jim Cook. He led passengers on a guided tasting of three of Sam Adams' signature brews, including a sneak peek of their new Sam 76 lager and a tasting of their much-sought-after utopias. Of course, when I was up in Boston for tasting maneuvers, got a chance to sample those incredible utopias, and they are absolutely off the charts. But it was very cool because they started out with the Sam Adams Oktoberfest beer, then they went to the Sam 76, which is a lager, and then they went with the uh, utopias. So they did that at 30,000 feet. So they had three great pours, and everybody had a great time enjoying Flytoberfest, so very, very cool. All right, it has been a delight to come to you from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Regional Fly-In at Tampa, I was going to say Tampa National, at Peter Knight Airport in downtown Tampa. Special thanks to Mark Baker, the President and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, Joe Kilday, Director of Media Relations. Great time had by all. Cigar Dave, the General, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Mayor takeoffs and landings, always be squeaky smooth. <laughs>